roll. The clarinets might be in a straight line, swinging around the arm of the clock, playing harmony while the trumpets were in a circle, shoulder to shoulder, rotating like a merry-go-round, playing the melody while the drums were in a block, marching in place, pounding out the beat, setting the pace, everyone doing their part. The whole time, everyone watches the drum major and his hands for the rhythm. He gives signals for where do we go and what we do. The dumb drum major is the center of attention. This is how this, this is his show. He has the fanciest uniform and everyone can see that he is the one in charge. Any personal differences anyone might have had were left behind when they stepped on the field. Out of there, out of there they were all the same, all part of the band. When it works like it's supposed to, the whole band moves on the field like one body, one living and breathing body under the direction of the drum major. Now the church is kind of like a marching band. Jesus is our drum major, and every one of us having a different instrument or a different ministry or part within that bond or within that body of Christ. The church is one body of Christ. Uh, it isn't a denomination. It's a body of believers that makes up the band or makes up the body of Christ. I know that we have different denominations because there's certain uh, doctrines that don't interfere with a basic gospel. They're kind of like, all of us like different re restaurants that we have as our favorites. Some of them, Chinese food is their favorite place to eat. Other places, it's Mexican food they like to eat. Other places, it's steakhouses. But we all eat, don't we? And that's kind of what the body of Christ uh, is. They separate in different favorite things that they do. But the gospel, main gospel, is not changed, irregardless of what it is in those restaurants or in those denominations that we consider to be Christian denominations. Um, so we need to be united in one goal and be focused on Christ, who is the drum major in our body or in our marching band. And we have to follow him and focus on him to know which way we need to go. And when we do that, we will all be united in a goal and in a purpose. And we will all be a beautiful music, because the music is the gospel of Christ. And that is what unites us, the gospel of Christ. And so when we march to, to his rhythm and what he wants us to do, everything works out fine. We have problems when... The trombones are trying to play the clarinet music. It doesn't work. And if you know anything about music, every instrument has different music. And that music is also different from what we would have when we sing. Our voices are instruments. And so there's different instruments. And even our voices in an orchestra or even the music that we sing, there are different parts, music that they sing. There's the soprano, the alto, the tenor, and the bass. Then there's first soprano, second soprano, first tenor, second tenor. <laughs> so we have all these uh, groups that make up the music, but all of it is the music, which is the gospel of Christ. And when we do that and we, try, and we do what God has called us to do, it's a beautiful thing to hear and a beautiful thing to see. And this is a part of the body of Christ here, and within our own body, we're God has every ministry that he wants and needs within our church. The problem that we have is that people aren't willing to pick up their instrument or pick up their ministry 
Or when they do, they don't stay here, they go somewhere else and play it. And that leaves the church without that particular ministry. And that's why the church suffers in a lot of cases. And that's why our church has been suffering, is because of that. But God has given everything, even now, everything that he wants to do in this community, he's called in this body. And it's our job to go out to do what he's called us to do. Not try to do something else. I mean, not all of us are called to be a pastor and call up here to preach. I know everybody says, amen. <laughs> I, I know that sometimes it looks easy, but I guarantee you it is not easy. There's hours and hours and hours that's put into a message that, before it is delivered. Because God has to get it into our hearts before we can share it with you. And that's, the th- that's what we're called to do. And we're called to explain it or put it in a way that's easier to understand. And w- we study the Bible more than any of you, probably. And so, because of that calling that we have on our life. So God hasn't called all of you to be a pastor or an evangelist. But we are all ministers. And he's called all of us to share the music with others. And it's, there's nothing like the melody of the gospel. I know that people uh, don't like to hear it sometimes because they say, I don't like that kind of music. But I guarantee a song gets into their heart. The music of the gospel gets into their heart. Have you ever heard a stupid commercial that you think, oh man, that's the stupidest song I've ever heard. And then you notice yourself singing it all the time and it just drives you crazy. I hate that song. But we're singing it. Why? Because it got into us. It got into our hearts. And that's what happens with the gospel. They may not like the music. They may not like the melody. But it gets in there. And it'll twirl around. And before they know it, they're going to start thinking about it. Because the Holy Spirit will see to it. But it's up to us to deliver the music. To sing that song. And we don't have to worry about it. Because God will let the melody flow through us. Because he has all the notes. And he knows how all the instruments are supposed to, to be presented. And you can present the gospel to someone in a way that they will receive better than I could. Now, if you want to bring them here, I'm glad to share the gospel with them. And Pastor Sheldon's glad to share the gospel with them. But they, sometimes the people that you're trying to reach, the only one that's going to reach them is you. And first of all, our lives have to be lined up with the music. We can, and you find it with your kids. Don't, we, if you tell your kids, do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work. We need to do as we say. And that especially means as believers. Because if we're trying to share the gospel with our friends and loved ones, and our life doesn't line up with the message, they're going to refuse it. Say, if this message is so good and so powerful, how come your life isn't changed? And that's the hardest thing. And I'm not saying we're all going to mess up. That we're gonna, we are, because I mess up all the time. And I've had to apologize to people. And if you say something that was maybe come out too harsh or something like that, and God deals with you, then you go back and you apologize. And maybe that was God's will in the first place. <clears throat> because, number one, they find out that you're willing to say, I'm sorry about if I sounded harsh or whatever it is that happened. It gives you another opportunity to share the gospel, and then they get a first-hand view that it's okay to mess up. I don't want to mess up, but I do mess up. And there isn't a person in this room that hasn't messed up. If you are, I need to talk to you, and I need to know your secret. Because I mess up. 
And if you follow me around, and I've told you many times, you follow me around sometimes, you wonder if I'm even saved. <laughs> if I follow you around, I'd probably wonder the same thing. Because it isn't what we do, it's what God has done in our heart. And I'm glad he doesn't judge that way. God gives us a message and a melody, and we deliver it the best we can. And sometimes if a note's off-key, it's okay. Because God will make that sour note seem sweet to someone's heart. I know I've told you that many times about a um, church music director that led the congregation in singing. And I know years and years ago, it isn't so much now, we have worship teams and we have all the other kind of things that we have. But... When I was younger, we had a song leader, and we'd sing the songs out of the book, and he used to go, you remember those days? And they're leading the church in singing. Well, it doesn't matter who's up here, because it's God that does the anointing. They've had uh, leaders as one church. Uh, they, got, they grew so large, and they had a song leader that had a hard time leading songs. He messed up a lot. Sang off-key sometimes, he led the congregation, sometimes the rhythm was off, and all those other kind of things, so they decided they'd bring in a professional. So they put a professional up there to lead the singing. And oh, his leading was great and wonderful. But the problem was the anointing wasn't there. Because it isn't the person that is the most skilled that God wants to use. It's the one that's most available. And the person that isn't as talented as someone else has to lean on God more. And when you lean on God more, you're stronger. And actually, you do a better job because God never messes up. When we mess up, it's because we get away from what, the way that God wants us to do it. It's not God. The, God is, the gospel is true and perfect, and the music is gorgeous. And there's never a bad note. But we have a tendency to deliver the wrong notes. And so we need to make sure that um, we're close to God. Now, our common goal is, of course, focusing on Christ, who is the head of the church. I'm maybe, Pastor Sheldon may be the leaders of this church, as far as you can see, but God is the head of the church. We are directed by God the same way that you are in whatever it is that you're called to do. All of us are. And uh, so it doesn't matter in that aspect of it. Now, and sometimes in the church, we discover differences. And sometimes those differences can just tear apart a church. And then the early church, when it was most critical time in the beginning, there was a potential to do that very thing. And Paul gives us an example of how to handle those differences in uh, Galatians 1, 17 to 19. But when God, who sent me apart from my mother's womb and called me by grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to, or into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Caiaphas, or Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Now, Paul made it very clear that he didn't receive the gospel from the apostles. Now, Paul was the most educated apostle in the early church because he was a rabbi, and he studied the Bible like, 
or the scripture, like nobody studies it. He sat under the, the well-known Rabbi Gamil, who was, hey, that was one of the greatest uh, theologians, if you will, of the day. And he studied under him. So he knew the Old Testament. And I know that every Jewish person that wanted to, uh, anyway, boy, had a bar misfit where they had to quote the first five books of the Old Testament. How would you like to do that? I'll tell you, I'm glad I don't, because I skip over the begats. <laughs> because, you know, those things are important to the Jewish people, but they're not as important to me. I mean, I kind of have to know where Jesus came from because he had to come from a certain lineage, the, from the lineage of David, by the Father, and, of course, Mary's lineage. If you wonder why the, the, the lineage or um, whatever is different in Luke than it is in Matthew, it's because one is the lineage of Mary, the other is the lineage of David. So they're both uh, Jews. So in case you wonder, oh, I found a mistake in the Bible. These don't line up. These are the wrong begats. They're not. They're just from different perspectives. So, but when we study the Bible, it's amazing how many of those differences can be eliminated when you study. See, we study to show ourselves approved, but we study to know what God says and what he's saying to us. We don't study the Bible to support what we believe. That's what a lot of people do. I'm going to find the scriptures to find to support what I believe. And they suck those people in that don't know anything about the Bible. Because if, you're, if it sounds like King James, if it sounds like the Bible, it's got to be true. Well, in reality, it's not true when you take it in context. So it's important to study the Bible for those reasons. But he didn't recede it. Now, after Paul was converted, he was blinded. But after the scales fell off, and he started to see Jesus and how he fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. Everything made sense to him. If you're wondering why your, your friends and family just can't understand the Bible, it's because they have scales on their eyes. And it's hard for them to understand something because it's spiritually discerned. The only thing that they can grasp is the plan of salvation. That's why the plan of salvation is so simple. It's so simple that a four-year-old can understand and accept Christ as their Savior. God didn't make it complicated. We do. We make it complicated. And so we need to understand if we study God's Word and do what it says, then we can do it. And it was after he started seeing these things and had the foundation, how everything plugged in to the Old Testament. Then he went and visited the disciples, but then he only seen a couple of them. And only for 15 days. Just kind of saying, hey, here I'm here, I'm changed, I'm a Christian now. Anyway, Galatians 2, 1 and 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus also along. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. After 14 years, he spent 14 years studying God's word to the very last jot and tittle. And God revealed something to him. He revealed to him the gospel of grace that they had missed. It's always been there. See, the God that has, gives us revelations, it really isn't a true revelation in, in a lot of respects. It's something that God's opening our eyes to. 
I get revelations from God when I read his word, but it isn't nothing new. It's always been there. I just got to understand it differently. That's what it is. And he, through all his study in those 14 years, all of a sudden this gospel of grace just coming out. And he thought, man, this is the way it is. I need to make sure that what I'm doing and what I'm seeing is what the other people will receive when I present the case. And so that's why he went back to the apostles to do this. And if God hadn't directed his efforts, it would have been disastrous. Doesn't matter what our goals are, how noble um, it is, it has a potential to make a situation worse if God, does, if God isn't in it. So he knew God was in it. Acts 4, 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means sons of, a, of, of uh, encouragement. <clears throat> oh, which means sons of encouragement. I had to put a period there. Now, Barnabas was a highly respected Jewish Christian, and he's why Paul took him with him. Barnabas had went, through, went with him some, um, on some ministry trips, and so he got a firsthand knowledge of Paul and could see what he was trying to do. Acts 9, 26 to 28. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Now, can you blame them? This is the same Paul that went around searching, bringing up Christians to kill him. This is the same guy. So I'd be a little leery too, wouldn't you? I don't care what people say, well, he's, he's changed. I'll tell you, that'd be a hard one to believe. That's why he took Barnabas along um, with him. Uh, so he was, they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. Remember, Saul's name was changed to Paul after his conversion by God. So just so you know, say, how come there's a confusion here? There isn't. It's the same guy. His name just hadn't been changed yet by God. Uh, in Damascus, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now Paul was excluded, excluded from the church because they didn't believe he was a Christian. And they thought he was just sneaking around trying to figure out where they lived so he could round them up. And, um, and Paul brought... Barnabas to help them, uh, help him bridge the gap because Barnabas was a bridge builder. He was gifted in bringing people together. Now we need a lot of these in the church, don't we? People that encourage, build bridges, and help people uh, get together on, on the issues and create unity. And that's what Barnabas was. Galatians 2, 3 and 4. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Now, Titus was a Gentile, an uncircumcised Gentile, which the Jews considered dogs. That was the lowest thing that you could call somebody was a Gentile. I wish they would use that word today, don't you? You know, we get called so many names that, you know, our kids shouldn't even be heard. But this was the worst name that you could call somebody was a Gentile. And this is the guy that that's Paul's bringing into the church in Jerusalem. And it's a critical time because he wanted to settle the issue 
of circumcision among Gentiles. So the church could not remain neutral on this issue. <clears throat> now this had been risky for Paul if it wasn't been directed by God to do so. Because he was going to upset the apple cart with this. And so he had to make sure it was God. Because if God wasn't in it, it was going to scatter, not unite. And so he had to make sure of that. And if Titus was required to be circumcised, then that meant that in order to be a Christian, you had to be circumcised if you was a man. Now, I don't think I'd be too excited about that if I was a man of 40 years old. Our, our babies are usually always, male babies are always circumcised. It's a lot easier process back then. But can you imagine at 40? So it wasn't kind of on high thing received by the Gentiles anyway. But see, they were adding something to salvation. That's what the problem was. And that's why um, Paul knew that he had to address this. And this would verify that the Gentiles were equal with the Jews in the church. The gospel of grace without the law was on trial, and Paul was there to present his case. Now, there's still opposition to this same gospel today, isn't there? They want to add things to the gospel. <clears throat> but the gospel still stands today uncompromised in the face of any opposition. When we go by this, we won't have any problems. But the problem is, when people get away from this, that's when we have the issues. That when, that's when the unity starts to fall apart, is when you go against God's word. But if you stand God's word, you'll always be unified with other believers. <clears throat> now, Paul was afraid that the leaders of the church had accepted this doctrine that was floating around, saying, oh, yeah, we, we're Christians. Because remember, all the first Christians were Jews. And it wasn't until Paul came along that the Gentiles even got to hear the gospel. Because remember, they're dirty dogs to the Jewish people. I don't think they think that now, but <laughs> hopefully not. But um, <clears throat> he had to go there, and God had to change his heart first to see that, to be able to present it to them. <clears throat> so the issue was whether a Gentile had to become a Jew to be saved. Because if that was the case, then Jesus came for nothing. Because, hey, they were already proselytizing people to become Jews as it was. They'd be knocking at your door, hey, I'm a Jew, I need to show you the plan of salvation. You have to become a Jew. <laughs> that isn't in the Bible. They thought that they were special, and they were, because they were God's chosen people. And if it wasn't for the Jews, we wouldn't have the Bible today. They are the ones that preserved it. Thousands and thousands of years they preserved it. And you can see actual uh, uh, manuscripts of the Bible, or anyway, the Old Testament, <laughs> in the, I can't remember the name of that place they had it. <sighs> Do you remember what the name of that was, Randy, where they had the scriptures? Huh? Well, it isn't a museum, but they had water pouring over this hall, the dome of this machine, of this building, where the scriptures were on display, and you could walk around there and see the actual scripture. Of course, if you don't read uh, Hebrew, it would mean nothing other than the fact you got to see the actual manuscripts. Some of them, four thousand years old, two thousand, three thousand years old. So that was amazing to see, and they were accurate. Our Bible is just as accurate today as it was then. I know that the only differences that we have is the differences in language. Because no matter what it is you transcribe into a dis different language, there's going to be different words because sometimes there's no word for that in our language. 
So we find something that's close. And that's what we have. But other than that, you can go back to the original manuscripts, and that's how we got uh, the different versions that we have. I like the NIV personally because the new NIV, because they went back and they went through the original manuscripts again to get the, the true meaning of it because there's more, so much more that they have now than they did when they did the King James Bible. Sometimes a lot of the, the versions that they have were transcribed from the New King James, or from the King James. And God didn't give us the King James. I mean, he allowed it to happen so the common people could have it, but he gave us the original manuscripts. And so that's when they go back and do that. That's why we have the different versions that we have. A lot of them are good, but uh, I still like the King James Bible. So... <clears throat> But anyway, the issue was whether a Gentile had to become a Jew to be saved. Now there were wolves in chief clothing had joined the, the Christians in Jerusalem, bringing in false doctrine. That's why we need people in the church that study the word, not just read it, study it, so they can find this false doctrine. That a wolf get, if a wolf gets in here and starts spreading false doctrine, see, it sounds true. That's the problem. That's why they call them wolf in sheep clothing. They look like a Christian. They sound like a Christian, and so we have a tendency to believe them as a Christian. But if we don't know this Bible, we can get sucked in so, so much. You can hear a lot of uh, ministers on TV that, I'll tell you, I spend a lot of time yelling at the TV. And don't ever watch a Christian movie with me. Because I spend so much time saying, that didn't happen. That ain't the way it happened. <laughs> And I know they had to add stuff to it to make the people watch it, but I just yell at the TV. And so it's very distracting, so that isn't something, you know, that you want to do unless you want to hear my um, explanation of it. So and sometimes it distracts from the movie. But anyway, so but Jesus came to fulfill the law. Remember, the law could save no one because no one could obey the law. The Ten Commandments was the law. And, of course, they added... 700 and some odd rules to the Ten Commandments. Because, you know, we needed somebody to tell us that stuff when the Ten Commandments weren't good enough. And we cannot obey the Ten Commandments every day of our life fully and completely and to where it's pleasing to God. I don't care who you are. See, that's why Jesus came. He fulfilled the law for us. God says, yeah, there's another way to heaven if you can obey the Ten Commandments, but no one can do it. So Jesus came to fulfill the law in our hearts, in our lives. And so when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see a sinner. Even though we are, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he sees us fulfilling the law because Christ fulfilled it for us. Now that doesn't mean we don't have to obey the law. We have to do our best to obey the law. And when we know we've sinned, we need to ask for forgiveness. That's why he gave us the law. So we'll know how much we need God and how much we need Christ because we can't do it on our own. And that's the message that Christ brings. I'm doing this for you so you don't have to. And of course, blood is required for sin. And only a perfect person could provide that sacrifice. And there's no, there was no one perfect. Jesus is the only perfect man that ever lived. You can read all the people about in the Bible and how good they were. Moses, how he obeyed the law. And everything else, the law was given to him and all these other kind of things. But he was imperfect. He murdered someone. 
David murdered somebody so he could have his wife. There's all kinds of people in this Bible that we hold in high esteem that are sinners just like us. So we need to understand that. That's why Christ came. He shed his blood for us because he paid the price for our sin. And he fulfilled the law for us. And he is the only requirement that we have. <clears throat> See, when Christ lives in us, he changes our desires. And our desires line up with his desires. So we don't need to worry about it because God will change our heart. There's a lot of things when I got saved that I didn't want to do. So if I didn't want to do them anymore, did I give them up? The reason people don't come to Christ is because they don't want to give up anything. Well, I didn't give up anything but my sin when I became a Christian. That's all. But there's too many people that don't want to give up their sin. Or even in the church, we have so many believers that have accepted Christ, but they have these pet little sins that they aren't willing to give up. Well, God sees those pet little sins, and he wants you to give them up. And he wants to give you the strength to give them up, because he died for those just the same as he died for the Big Ten. And that's his will and purpose in our life. <clears throat> we are free to fulfill God's purpose in our life, which is real freedom. We're f because we don't have to worry about it. I don't want to do a lot of things. And you're going to find out the same thing, or you did find out when you became a believer. Now, every cult has some form of works added to salvation. Every single one of them. You want to find out if a church is a cult or not? Go in there and talk to them. Say, what do you have to do? I have to join this church because this is the only church. If you don't join this church, you can't go to heaven. Well, cult, cult, cult. Flag. You have to do all these works. You have to come and give 10 hours of service to the church or you can't go to heaven. Cult, cult, cult. You have to bring so many people in in order to go to heaven. Cult, cult, cult. There are red flags all over the place. So if you have to have those kind of things, it's a cult, and it just goes against the gospel that God gave us and what Jesus died for. Because if Jesus died in vain and we need something else, we don't need Jesus. And he wasted his, his trip. He wasted his sacrifice. He wasted his death. Because if we could do it some other way, hey, but that isn't what the Bible says. And so you want to know that? That's the way you find out. Galatians 2.5. We did not give, them, give in into them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We can't compromise the true gospel. I don't care what it is. I know that there's some verses that are harsh and some things, you know, I don't like either just like you, but we can't compromise it. If it's in here, we have to abide by it, period, whether we like it or not. We can't sit there and say, well, I don't like this, so I'm tearing this out of my Bible. And I don't like this, so I'm tearing this out. We can't. It's all God's Word, and we have to accept it. If any changes are made, they have to be made in us, not in God's Word. God's Word can stand alone. It, God doesn't need any help. He did it right here. So we don't need to help him. He wants us to serve him and reach the world because we are his arms, legs, and mouth. That's why, to spread the gospel. And it's this gospel, not a church, not a doctrine. It's this, the Bible, and the doctrines that Christ taught. <clears throat>
Paul knew that the true gospel could not only stand against the enemy, it is eternal and invincible. The gospel that we preach today is the same gospel that Paul and the apostles preached. The same one, exactly. Other than the difference that we have in denominations, or restaurants, if you will, it stands the same. The core doctrines of this Bible is the same in every Christian church, true Christian church. Every one of them, I don't care what they are. And I've studied a lot of them, so I know. I don't like certain, I like, I like the assemblies of God because we're free. If you want to dance in the spirit here, you can. Amen. If you want to run the aisles, you can. Doesn't matter. As long as you're doing it unto the Lord, it doesn't make any difference. And some people don't like that. And I know most of you know Pastor Smith. When he got saved, he attended a Baptist church. And he's sitting there and he was singing those old hymns. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. And he would start saying, praise the Lord. There's power in the blood. I'm saved, I'm redeemed. And he would say, thank you, Jesus, and start praising God out loud. And they didn't like it. They said, you know, there's a church down the street that's a little better suited towards you. And so he left because he was a distraction to the church. And so no one here will be a distraction if you want to express your worship to God. Never. If you want to run the aisles, hey, I might run behind you. And if I fall, you might have to pick me up, but I'll just keep running. While I'm on the ground, I'll still be moving my legs. <laughs> so any way you want to do it, it's okay. Just as long as it lines up with God's word. And uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, Galatians 2.6. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. God isn't, isn't impressed by our credentials. He's only impressed by our heart. Now, I know that we need to study, and I have credentials. A PhD in biblical theology and pastoral counseling, and whoop-de-doo. God isn't impressed. God's impressed with what I've invested in studying his word because it touches my heart. And because I've done all those things, then I can do what he's called me to do. See, all of us say, well, man, I'd love to be a Paul. Well, to be a Paul, you have to study this Bible like there's nothing else in the world for you to do. And if you have to have a job, he was a tent maker, he worked and he studied. He worked and he studied. This was all his focus was here. He worked to provide, but he studied, studied, studied. If you do those things, you can be Paul. You can be another Paul. You can be, have a great ministry in Christ. When you're sold out to God, he can use you. You want to be used by God? Be sold out. <clears throat> the gospel wasn't in danger. The souls in Jerusalem and Galatia were. That's why Paul didn't budge on the message. And we can't budge either. Galatians 2, 7 and 8. Oh, forget, delete that one. Go to the next one. As, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also work in the apostles to the Gentile. Now the leaders in Jerusalem were united by the common goal of reaching the lost. 
That's why we're here. We're here to reach the lost. That's our purpose. What's your purpose? Sing your melody to your friends, your loved ones. No matter whether they like it or not, every opportunity that you have, take it. And I guarantee that melody will start resonating in their hearts and in their soul and in their minds. They might not get saved the first time you talk to them, but God's word will never return void. You as his minister and his message, his message will not return void. It'll turn over in their hearts and their lives, and they may get honorier than a skunk. I don't know. But God will use that to draw them to you. And pretty soon their hearts will soften because people have hardened their hearts so much to religion. They're sick of religion. Jesus didn't die for a religion. He died for a relationship with us. He died so we can come into the throne room. We don't have to be a priest, although we are priests in him. We don't have to be of a certain lineage to enter the throne room. See, then only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, that veil of that separation was ripped in two. And Jesus said, come on in. I paid for it for you. You can come in to my mercy seat. Hey, I've sprinkled my blood on the mercy seat for your sins so you don't have to do it anymore. Just accept me. Just believe in me. You don't have to do it. What a privilege we have. I'll tell you, you know, sometimes I think I'd love to have been, been there when Jesus walked this earth and heard his teaching firsthand. But then I think, you know, I don't think I like all those sacrifices for my sin. I'm not that rich to pay for them, you know. And there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And there's a lot of uh, waste before you could even come. Things that you had to do. Jesus says, come on in. See, religion teaches you have to take a bath before you can accept Christ. Jesus says, hey, I'm here to give you the bath. Don't worry about it. Come as you are. People say, well, as soon as I clean up my act, I'll come to God. Let God clean up your act because he's the only one that can do it. We don't have to do it. God will do it for us if we just come. He says, come, I've opened the door for you. Just come on in. I'll figure it out for you. You don't have to. And I'm so glad of that. Amen. Amen. Galatians 2, 7. I read that already. Uh, Our focus, like I said, is on the same gospel. Every believer in history, past and present and future, have the same gospel. We're all part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter when we were born. Galatians 2, 9. James, oh, that's where I want, oh yeah, Cephas, that's okay. James, Peter, and John, the Peter, like I said, is um, not there. Uh, those esteemed as pillars gave me Barnabas, the right, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They gave them the right hand of fellowship. Now we kind of look over that. Now the assemblies of God, that's what we do. If we want to say somebody, even though they're not an Assembly of God minister, um, but we believe in their message and we know that they're going to support our belief system and never go against it, never, they will unite our church and not divide it, we give them what we call the right hand of fellowship. And we had some 
had them come here. They said they received the right hand of fellowship from a different district. So we didn't have to worry about their message because they were approved. That was the highest recommendation you could give. But then started seeing problems. Started seeing that their doctrine disagreed with ours. And when the, I noted that, then all of a sudden, the, the unity started happening, disunity. And so instead of causing unity, it would cause disunity. And that's what we suffer here, is disunity. Because of that. And um, after those things happened, I called the district and said, revoke the right hand of fellowship. Because we can't have that in our church. Assemblies of God is a great organization, and I love them. They're not the only way to heaven. You can join this church or not. It doesn't matter. It's going to get you into heaven. You can join every church there isn't. It won't get you into heaven. But you have to become the same way everybody else comes. And you need to be a part of a fellowship because that's what God wants. That's his goal is for us to be one, not tearing each other apart and splintering off our own way. If you have a ministry that you don't think uh, we don't have, do it here. You don't need to go somewhere else and do a ministry. We have all kinds of facilities here to help people who want to do ministry. And I think that we should. I think that God gives us ministries to do. But we don't have to go out there and do them somewhere else. I know in big cities that, yeah, it's a good thing. But here we don't have to. We have the facilities in order to do that. So if you have a ministry that you're thinking about starting, come to us. And we'll sit down with you. And make sure that it's something God's called you to do. And make sure it lines up with God's word. And then, hey, we're all in. We've been all in on a lot of things. And sometimes when we come in all in, it's been detrimental to us. <laughs> but generally speaking, that's God's will for you to be here, united. Uh, Galatians 2.10. All they asked was that they should continue to remember the poor, the very thing he was eager to do. The church in Jerusalem was poverty-stricken because they were taxed to death as Christians. And I'll tell you, they want to do something with whatever, that's who they taxed. And we find that we are taxed to death now, aren't we? But in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem was excruciating burdens that they placed on the people. So Paul went around collecting offerings and sent them to them, which is good. And Paul was glad to do that. So they were united by taking the good news to the world. The gospel is what united them. And Paul showed them that it wasn't a gospel of works, wasn't a gospel of what we can do, or adding anything to salvation. It was just Jesus. Jesus was all you needed. And so they sent them on their way. They said, go ahead, reach the Gentiles. We'll stay here with the Jews, but you go reach them, because that's where God's called you. Because they recognized that call on his life to do that. And Paul recognized the call of God on their lives to reach the Jewish people. And that was okay. So you can reach different people groups. It's okay. We have missionaries that we support from different areas of the world. That's fine because our goal is to reach the world. The problem that we have in America is we've got it all messed up. God has a plan first in your home, then in your neighborhood, then in your city, then in your county, then in your state, then in your nation, then the world. But the church has got things mixed up and we're so busy sending missionaries to the world. But what about us? What about America? We're going down the toilet. But other nations are more Christian than we are. And that's a sad thing. 
The only reason that God hasn't wiped us off the face of the earth is because of us. Believers, the body of Christ, who's still in there, we're still fighting, we're still trying to spread the gospel to the world. The judgment's going to come one day because America is in bad shape. And we need to pray for America. I believe that God's going to have a revival in America. I believe that with all that's in me because we need it. So the last person that accepts Christ as personal Savior, then that trumpet's going to sound and we're going to go home. And that's what we all want, isn't it? We want to go home. But while we're here, we need to occupy. We need to sing our song to the world and let them hear the gospel message of Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's why we're still here. We also also have a God-given responsibility to share and to help each other in Christ. It isn't, we're none of us are islands. We need each other. We're a body. If you had, he compared it to a body because every part in our body is beneficial. I mean, if we were blind, look at all the things that we'd miss. If we, were, if we didn't have an arm, look at all the things that would be extra hard for us. If we couldn't walk, look how hard it would be. And I know that there are people that suffer those kind of things. But God compared us as a body. And all of us are a part of it. Some of us are hands. Some of us are mouths. That's what I am. I'm a mouth. But I don't know what, you're, what you are. You could be a hand. Jesus, of course, is the head. And everything that comes out to the body is directed by the head. If you, try to get, if you get out of that message, you're going to have problems. But you can't. You need every single part of the body. And all of them aren't seen. The most important parts of the body aren't seen. You can live without an arm, a leg, or a hand. You can live blind. You can live without hearing. But you can't live without a heart. You can't live without kidneys, livers, intestines. Well, even intestines, they can do different things. But you can't live without those things. And those things we don't see. When I see you, I don't see those things. Thank God you covered them up with skin. (laughs) And we cover them up with clothes. (laughs) But those are some of the most important parts of our body. And that's where a lot of people are. They're in the background. They're doing things that you don't see. You'd be surprised all the things that have to happen every Sunday morning when you come. They're from people you don't see. If you want to see what's come around here, come an hour early and you'll see. And, well, maybe you don't want to because we'll put you to work. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that goes on here. And that's God's will for our life. And we have a God-given responsibility to share each other's burden. Now, if you prepare that song, honey, this is a song I wrote and sang, so if the voice isn't that great, it's me. <laughs> but listen to the words of the song, because it, it says it all. <clears throat>
that song because I was thinking about all the walls that we have in the world. We have our religion, we have our customs, we have all this other kind of stuff. But this is the time we need to tear down those walls that we have and reach out to the world and unite it in love. That's the only way we're going to do it. And if you notice on that song, you heard the message of the song, but there were so many instruments and so many other things that were there. The song would not have been any good without the music. It would have been better if someone else would have been singing it too, but, <laughs> but the, that's what it is. In a song, if it doesn't have a message, it's not any good. God has a message. 
And we are the melody he wants to play through us. And we need to be united in love to reach this community. That's the only way we're going to do it. United, together, in love. His love that flows through us. That's the only way we're going to do it. And when we let that happen, and we understand that we are saved in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Nothing else is required. He will clean us up. Don't worry about it. Religion gives us rules and regulations to follow to help us until we kind of get those things figured out. And remember, I've told you many times, there's things that are a sin to you that is not a sin to me. And there's things that are a sin to you that aren't a sin to me. Now, I know I'm, if it's a big ten, no, I'm, that, isn't going, that doesn't count. <laughs> but basically, if I don't think I should be able to work on Sunday, that's my own personal belief. So does that mean everybody who works on Sunday is a sinner? No. And if I believe that and then go out to eat on Sunday, then I'm a hypocrite. Because those people are working against my belief. So we need to understand those things. And it doesn't matter if you work days, nights, or whatever. God works through us in different ways. Because we are one body, united in love. Amen? Let's pray. Present Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank the Lord for your sacrifice. I'm thankful, Lord, that you are all that's required for us to be saved, for us to be able to go to heaven and be with you. Because you paid the price. You offered everything for us. And all we have to do is give up our sin and ask you to come into our life and then allow you to change us from the inside out, not from the outside in. Help us, Lord, to understand that message. And help us, Lord, to, to love each other in the body of believers that we have here. Help us, Lord, to bear one another's burdens. But also help us, Lord, to be able to bring your melody or your music into the lives of the people that we know. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and to your kingdom. And, Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's no way that you can sing the music of the gospel if you're not a Christian. You've got to get into the band before you get an instrument. And the only way you get into the band is by accepting Christ as your Savior. That's the only way you become a body of believers. Accept Him. It's so simple. That's why the world trips over us, because it's so simple. And we like to have rules and regulations that govern us, that help us, so we know, hey, once I get these 10 hours of work done every week, then I'm going to go to heaven. I know I've done it. I don't have to worry about it. But then you take away what Christ has done for us. We may do those 10 hours a week. I'm not saying you won't. But our, our motives have changed. We're not doing it because we have to. We do it because we want to. I do a lot of things for my husband that I don't want to do. There's some days, and of course, if I said I don't want to cook, let's go out. We would. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of times I don't want to cook dinner. I just want to sit there and not anything. I'm not hungry anyway. But I do a lot of things because I love him. I'm up here this morning not because I like to hear myself talk. I'm up here because God's love flows through me. I want to do what God's called me for, what he's gifted me to do. I wouldn't be any good at this if God didn't anoint me. Without God's anointing, I'm nothing. I don't care how good the message is that I may preach. Without the anointing of God, it sucks. And we need the anointing. You need the anointing every day of your life. 
in your job. I don't care what that job may be, whether it's serving in a restaurant, whether it's cleaning rooms, whether it's working in manufacturing, driving machinery, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. God will anoint you to do that. And he will put a song in your heart as you do it. And that melody of God's love will flow through you. And you'll be amazed the difference that it makes. I've had a lot of bad jobs in my life. But it's amazing the things that I can do when I know I'm doing it for Christ. When I allow his love to flow through me, that job becomes so much easier. And it's amazing that I don't hate it anymore. I look at the opportunities that he gives me in the people that I get to talk to. The people that I interact with. The people that ask me to pray for them. And if you're a true Christian on the job and people have a problem, they'll come to you. How do you know whether the world, whether your people on job recognizes you as a believer? That's the number one way you can find out. We don't have to beat people over the head with our Bibles to get them saved. All we have to do is be willing to share what God has put in our heart. And let God do the work. I can't save anybody and neither can you. The only one that can is Christ himself. And he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that takes these ungenerated hearts and changes them. Takes the corruptible and turns it into incorruptible. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And the Holy Spirit will do it through you if we just surrender to him. Do you know him today? Do you know him as your personal savior? Your job will be so much easier when you know him. When you allow him to work through you. It'll be so much easier. Anyone this morning? I know most of us are believers, but I never want a uh, time go by without the opportunity presented to you.